This past summer, I had an incredible experience to go to the woods with Jason Mann and Ascend Outdoors. And I want to um, tell you, it was a thing that, uh, an event that, that really altered my life and did so much for me. And I want to share about three things with you this morning that I learned in this place, right? So the first thing that I learned is that you do not happen upon a summit. If you want to see the mountaintop, you have to pay to see the mountaintop. You have to put in the work, the preparation, great detail goes into seeing the mountaintop. No one walks by a mountaintop and just finds the mountaintop, right? So I have a pic I want to show you of us on top of the mountain. This is what a mountain looks like just outside of Taos, New Mexico. This is at 12,000. 510 feet. Incredible view. Let me tell you, that picture will not do justice to what we saw. It was an absolutely amazing thing. We had to pay. We had to pay the price. We had to put in the work to get there. The other thing I want you to know that I learned while doing this incredible adventure is that I learned that there are places that you cannot go alone. There are places that you and I will never be able to see in life, never be able to experience in life by ourselves. We were created for companionship. And if you look and see this picture of myself on a rock, um, climbing this rock face, you will see I could never have done this. Scary, yes? Uh, uh, right at just below 100 feet. I could never have experienced that by myself. Trust me, there were people holding the, end of that, the other end of that rope and Joel Seablink was one of those. And I was like, Joel, Joel how much do you love me, man? <laughs> you, you got this, right? There are places that we cannot, we were not designed to go by ourselves. The other thing that I learned and the most incredible thing, and it kind of seems obvious, but what I put in this backpack, I had to carry the entire time. What you pack, you have to carry. And let me tell you, I am terrified, Mike, of, of, of a couple of things in the woods. And the thing that I'm terrified the most of in the woods is being hungry, okay? So I packed my backpack accordingly. I had over 50 pounds and half of it was food. I had enough food in my backpack for myself and four or five bears for the entire week, okay? When I whipped the tuna out, the guys on the trip got nervous. They're like, hey, put that up. Another thing, um, I, I was challenged by Ascend Ministries to cut my weight in half because I had over 50 pounds, including the kitchen sink in this thing. And so I needed to cut it drastically. And so I began to pull things out. Do I need two dozen oatmeal raisin cookies from HEB? Do I, do I actually need those? I have never consumed two protein bars in a day, but I could do it that week, right? I mean, I had to make decisions on what I was gonna pull out to get the weight down. There were people on our trip that actually cut the handle off of their toothbrush to conserve, hey, every little ounce, it takes what, 16 of them? And you have a pound, right? Needed to cut the weight down. Not cutting the weight down can cause you to miss the summit. If, if you put too much in your bag, and this bag is heavy, you put too much in your bag, you can blow a ligament. You can, you can throw your knee or twist an ankle. And so not only will it cost you, 
and I, but it can cost your friend. It can cost your friend not being able to experience the journey by you not being able to carry them or hold them. Or, you know, if they become injured, we need to be able to walk them down or help them out. I want us to survey what's in our bag this morning. Now, what's in this bag, I put in this bag. I'm ready to get it off because it is quite heavy. But what I put in this bag is quite heavy, but it's something that we all put in our bag from time to time. And we're gonna see in scripture this morning that God did not create us, make us, design us. He's actually opposed to this thing called worry. It's pretty heavy. I have a Gruden systematic theology book in there too. That's pretty heavy as well. God did not create us to worry and we all do it. I posted on Facebook uh, last week and over a hundred people responded. What do you worry about? When you worry, what do you worry about? And our top worry is kids. I get that. Raising kids, right? Other things that we worry about is finances, family. We worry about being a good parent. Others that made the list is, is failure. Will I succeed or will I fail in life along with singleness, disappointment, school? Worry about school, yes, we do. You know, I have to confess that every day I wake up with this in my pack just about every day of my life, 360 days out of the year. I don't get it, I don't understand it, but I wake up with a heaviness on me. I wake up anxious, I wake up worried. I, I wake up in this sort of this dark hole, if you will, but I have a plan to get out and I get out quickly, as quick as I can. God did not design us to worry. And this is our subject this morning. Our title of the message today is worry. What do we do? Freedom from this worry is an important thing. Austin Police Department responded last year in 2017 to 150 suicide calls, 150. They also, in addition to that, responded to 5,197 calls for emotional distress. That does not happen overnight. It, it stacks up and it builds. Two months ago, we sent a survey to Great Hills Baptist Church members. We were looking for information to start this ministry, a recovery ministry here at Great Hills. And we asked you, what are you concerned about? And what of those in your circle are concerned about most? And we listed some addictions. We listed drug addiction, alcohol, pornography addiction. We listed depression. And did you know that you picked depression overall? Depression over all those other addictions. It is a serious thing and it's real. By the way, we are starting Transform um, on uh, January the 9th, 2019. It's a recovery and renewal ministry here at Great Hills. It'll launch, excited about it. I want us to pray before we get going because I, I'm really burdened that um, we walk in freedom this morning. And so please don't try your best not to listen to my prayer. I'm gonna pray for me, I'm gonna pray for you. But would you bow your head, those of you online, bow your head and you close your eyes just to be along with God just for a second. And when you pray, and I want you to ask God 
to reset your mind, reset your thoughts on worry. And let's look at the biblical model. What does Jesus say? What does our creator say about worry? Pray with me. You pray for yourself. Father in heaven, as creator and sustainer of our lives, we lean into you for everything. We bring nothing to the table of value this morning. We need you. We ask you now to encourage us as we look into your word. We ask for you this morning to, to strengthen us around your, your, uh, your words of wisdom for us that, Lord, as Tozier said, the greatest thing about us is what we think about when we think about you. And so, God, you alone are worthy of our thoughts. Please magnify our thoughts of you this morning. Show us your position on worry and anxiety. Inspire our hearts, Lord. This morning we are listening. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. We're going to move through pretty quick. So if you have your device or note sheet that you're taking notes on, go ahead and pull that out. I'm going to give you some things to write down this morning, and I will alert you when the blanks come, because I know you want to know, or you might get worried about it. I don't want you to be worried about it. I'll tell you when the blanks come. So first thing, Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus, perhaps his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And um, verse uh, 25, he says, therefore, therefore. Now, when I see the word therefore, I ask myself, what is therefore, therefore? So if you want to find out what therefore is, you need to read ahead of the text. Often that's the best way to see it. We need to know that. We need to know that Jesus is calling out building an empire of value, earthly value. Jesus in the previous verses is saying, you're not to have the master of money and the master of me. You can't, you're gonna serve one and, and hate the other, right? He, he's, he's, he's calling the people to not live to acquire wealth. That is not the main thing. By the way, Jesus spoke on money more than anything. And here he's, um, he's saying where your money is, your heart is there as well. And so that's what therefore is therefore. With that in mind, verse 25, I tell you, the you pronoun is plural. So he says, I tell y'all, do not be anxious. That's a present active imperative. He's literally saying, y'all stop worrying. That's what he's saying. Y'all stop worrying about what? About your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This word anxious is, is synonymous with worry. In the Greek, it's merry now. And it, it's like a perplexed solicitude. It's, it's to fret. It's to think and grapple with apprehension or unduly concern. Jesus uses this, this word five times in this text um, to propose three prohibitions, forbidding worry, forbidding being anxious. Um, Webster defines anxiety as an apprehensive uneasiness, nervousness, usually over an impending or anticipated ill. One um, internet definition says to grasp and tug repeatedly about something. Um, this word comes from the old English word to seize by the throat and strangle. Does that sound familiar? 
This is what worry is. Worry competes for all other thoughts. Left unchecked, it will paralyze our heart and it eventually will bring paralysis to our entire body and our life. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. The ADAA, which is Anxiety on Depression, Anxiety and Depression Association of America, says that anxiety uh, or, or anxiety disorder is the most common illness in America. Over 40 million people suffer from anxiety disorder. If you suffer from anxiety disorder, you're three to five times more likely to go to the doctor. You're, you're six times more likely to be hospitalized. If you suffer from anxiety disorder, you are part of that group that spends $42 billion a year on, on this disease, that depression-related disease, and that's a third of our health dollars that is spent on depression, anxiety, which leads to depression. According to doctors, anxiety disorders uh, develop uh, through a series or a couple of risk factors. Those are um, genetics, they can be brain chemistry related, personal um, life events, but we're not gonna look at these this morning. We're gonna look and see what the Word of God says. What does Jesus, our Creator, say about this anxiety? He's literally saying, y'all don't worry. Stop worrying is what he's saying. Now he lists three things that he tells us not to worry about in this passage. I think it's interesting because these three things are, are needs. They're not my wants. He, he goes right to the chase and, and fires off really serious needs. Because if you look, each one of these needs that he calls out, if you don't have them, you potentially die. Without them, you will die, right? Without food, we die. We need food, right? It's a need. Without water, we become dehydrated. And we can eventually die from that if we don't get water. Without clothing, well, we're naked and afraid, right? Without clothing, it's not a pretty sight. I think that's clothing's probably, if anything came good from the fall, it was the fig leaves. I, I'm just saying, I'm throw that out there, just as a side note. But we don't worry about clothing this morning. I know some will worry. I, I'm in student ministry for so years, many years, I would talk to students, some of our high school ladies will fret and worry over an outfit for hours. It'd blow your mind. Um, sometimes hours, yes, seriously. I'm not talking one hour, I'm talking more than an hour. Is this shade of blue, you know? Is this Labor Day? Can I wear this after it's fall? Is this a fall color? I mean, this happens a, a lot. We get anxious about things. So I think today we wouldn't lose our life because of not having, we might lose a, a, a glance or some sort of um, admiring glance from someone, which isn't a big loss. But Jesus asked an interesting question. Verse 25, the latter part, he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The answer is yes. Life is very valuable. And he's pointing us and directing us to the big picture. He's pointing us to life. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, I've come to give you life. And I've come to give you life more abundantly. Eternal life is very valuable. 
especially to the dying. And unless we have been regenerated by Jesus, we are all 100% dead, headed to a place of eternal death in absence of God. Matthew 16, 26, Jesus said, what benefit do you gain if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. He's calling us to evaluate his creation. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? I love watching birds. I don't know if you guys like that, but I, I, I just love to watch birds, except those birds like crows. But in Texas, you have something called a, is it a crackle or grackle or what is it? It's awful. That bird, I think God messed up when he made that bird. The bird is very, very confused. Um, I, I could, if I could snap my finger and remove, that bird would be out. I'm just telling you, it's the most annoying thing I've ever heard in my life that bird. But anyway, we digress. I love watching birds. Have you ever seen a bird out behind a plow in the, in the field planting? Have you ever seen a bird pulling a planter? Have you ever seen a bird with a shovel digging a hole and putting a seat? No. Why? Now we see birds working. We see birds um, um, out looking for food, building that nest all day long. They're busy. So God's not saying don't work. He's saying, I am ultimately the one who provides. Look at the bird. Work, but don't worry about it. Then he calls for us to evaluate his reputation in this verse. He says, who feeds them, right? I feed them. God feeds the birds and they are very valuable to him, but we are even more valuable than the birds. Notice that he did not say here, um, the, the bird is, is valuable. He says, you are more valuable than they, that you is connected to us. Who values the bird? Write this down in your notes. I worry when I forget God's reputation. I worry when I forget God's reputation. His reputation is perfect. All he can do is love. All he can do is good. He is that type of God. That's, that's who he is. Now, on the mountain um, with Jason, man, I, I learned a lot of things. I wish I had more time to tell you. But um, one of the things that Jason did was he took us to a rock face. I showed you a picture of myself on that rock face a little bit ago. But Jason took us to this rock face and he said, we're going to climb it. We're going to climb this rock face. And so I was excited about it. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking... I don't want Jason to kill me. I'm just saying, it's, it's a long drop. And so I told Jason, I asked him, I said, Jason, can I go help you tie the harness and the gear and everything in? He says, sure, come on. So we took a roundabout route, a long ways around up the slope and, and to this picture that you're gonna see on the screen. And here is myself um, helping Jason, right? But really what I'm doing is I'm worrying. It's starting to build. And I'm like, I, just don't, I don't know about this. And, um, and I went down with no intention of climbing. I made up my mind right there, I'm not gonna do it. About an hour passed, people start climbing. 
Jason says, hey, you ready? And I says, hey, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm not going to climb. And he says, what? You're not going to climb? Why? And I didn't have to climb. He wasn't going to make me. But I said, um, he says, didn't you go and look at the harness? Didn't you see the rigging? I said, yeah. I, I said, I just, I don't want to die. And he says, well, don't you trust the rigging? I says, no, I don't. <laughs> he says, you think you're going to fall? I said, I'm not worried about the fall. I'm, I'm worried about the sudden stop at the bottom. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm worried about, I want to make an impact in life, but not that kind of impact, right? <laughs> You laugh, I was serious, man. I was, I'd made up my mind. And Jason messed me up with what he said. He said, you don't trust me, do you? I says, nope, I don't. Let's just be real, we're friends, I don't trust you. He says, why don't you do this? He says, why don't you trust my reputation? He said, I've climbed thousands of people and I've never dropped one. And I walked away from that and it messed me up. I walked away from that and I said, you know what? This guy's, he's got a perfect reputation with this thing. Maybe, maybe I'll, I can trust it. You know, I could trust it. I could lean into that. And I did and I, and I climbed it and he didn't drop me. It's great. I'm here today because he didn't drop me. Everything held together and he still has a perfect reputation for climbing. God's reputation supersedes them all. It's impeccable. He is, he, he's all of this that he says he is. And we have found him to be this so many times, but yet we forget. Don't worry, don't worry. Remember the reputation of God. Verse 26, the latter part, he says, your heavenly father, as I mentioned a second ago, he says, your heavenly father, you're more valuable than the bird. But he says, your heavenly father, and he's not talking about the bird, he's talking about me and you. We have a special relationship with God and God loves us and he will not, he's perfect in that love. And he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. And it's always gonna be best. And it doesn't seem like it at times. And that's when we start worrying, when we start evaluating that. Verse 27, you guys gotta listen faster. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? So we're gonna do an experiment. Everybody stand up. Everybody across the room, stand up. If you're able to stand up, do so. If not, you're, you're fine. But if you're able to stand up, I'm gonna give you a couple seconds to do this experiment. I'm gonna give you just a few seconds. When I say go, I want you to do, do what I tell you to do. Ready? I want you to add an hour to your life. Go. If you can't do that, sit down. Those of you online, everyone sat down. Why? Because we can't do it. Worrying is pointless. Worrying, the only thing worry does is it kills faith and eventually kills you and I. The science tells us, the doctors will tell you, research will explain that anxiety robs you of years of your life. Left unchecked, it will bring depression. Left un unchecked, that brings death. Not a pretty thing. I worry, if you're taking notes, write this down, this is free. I worry when I focus on the provision over the provider. I worry when I focus on the provision 
over the provider. That's pointless. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Jesus contrasts the splendor of Solomon, which in that day was proverbial for great wealth. You can see his wealth in 2 Chronicles 9. Solomon was extremely wealthy. He was well decorated. Solomon had um, just, just one day or one year of gold that he received in his, he received 25 tons of gold every year. Silver was so plentiful in his kingdom. It was like rocks on the street. They walked on it. You see all this stuff. And yet God says that flower, that, that lily, that lily is clothed better than Solomon. The, the richest, most, the wisest man to ever live. And yet that lily stands taller than him. It's clothed better than him. I want to show you a picture of the mountaintop again. And one of the things you may not be able to see in this, this image are the flowers. I don't think you can see them. But let me just tell you, this is the very top. This is 12,510 feet. And there are flowers everywhere. It blew my mind. And um, we went along with just by ourselves and I began to talk to God and I was wondering, distracted and said, how did these flowers get here? Um, how, did, how did the flower get here? Who planted these? And I began to think as I considered, the, considered these flowers and remem- reminded of this verse, consider the lilies, I began to think of the bird that probably flew over this mountaintop And I began to think of the bird that probably ate a seed the day before and then rejected that seed on the mountaintop. And then all of a sudden, sudden something beautiful um, came of it. And I thought, you know what? God makes, um, takes rejects and takes what no one can use and makes it an amazing thing. And this pic now that's gonna be up on the screen is the tallest flower on the mountain. This was taken by Jared. Um, this, this is the tallest flower of all. Jared took this and, and I was looking at this flower, noticing that it, was, it grew right off of this rock and it's the very tallest thing in the entire place. And I said, God, why are these here? These flowers are never going to be seen. How can they declare your glory when nobody's going to see this flower? And God said, you see the flower. And God's this overwhelming sense of his love grabbed me when he indicated to me, he says, I planted it for you. I planted it for you, son. I wanted to show you my love. And I thought I'm looking at a flower. And I thought at the time, nobody else would see it, but here I'm showing it to hundreds of people. So you get to enjoy it as well. But I was messed up at the time by God's love and saw God, God loves me enough to do just that little thing. How much more will he do? and show up and show out in the big things. Hey, I just wanted to take a second and invite you to our camping trip next summer. Men, if you wanna be a part of Anchored Men, there's a number, it's gonna be on the screen. You can pull your device out or take a picture of that. You can text just to, just to get information about the event um, coming up uh, June the 8th through the 15th. We have a limited amount of space. And so we'll send out something in the next few days um, to invite you to that. But um, to text to 22828 
text the word camp out 19 um, to that and it'll respond, ask for your email and put you on the list to receive information uh, about, about the event. God loves us so much and he wants us to trust him, right? Verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I want to focus on that phrase, oligopistos, which is a Greek phrase where Jesus says, he calls them little faith men, little faith men. And it's a harsh rebuke. He only uses it five times in the New Testament, but it's, it's a stern, stern rebuke, little faith men. And so he's pointing to the issue at hand. It's not worry and depression. The issue is faith. The issue is our view of God. The issue is our ability to see him. The root is unbelief. God's got this, trust him, write this down. Worry is birthed in unbelief and a failure to see God. Worry is birthed in unbelief and a failure to see God. Unbelief causes fear, leads to anxiety, disappointment, discouragement. It grows into depression and eventually it kills. It kills your hope. It kills your joy. It robs you of all kinds of things. Maybe worry is in your bag this morning. Maybe today's your day to take it out and say, I'm, I'm not carrying this anymore. And to come at the end of the service in a few moments and lay it at the altar. Say, God, take this. Just symbolically give it up to him. Don't carry it. I encourage you, please don't carry it. God didn't, didn't give us the spirit of fear. Um, he, he, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Let his perfect love take that. Verse 31, verse 31, therefore, do not be anxious. Now he's saying, don't start worrying. Uh, before he was saying, um, y'all stop worrying. Now he's saying, don't start worrying. Be anxious, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the Gentiles, this is a word for just simply unbelievers, those that are not followers of Christ. The Gentiles, the world, seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Anxiety highlights the wrong treasure. It puts the emphasis on the things that God says, I want you to be focused on me. I want you to poise your hearts to me. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, the father knows our needs. And if we put him first, he will meet every one of them. The father knows our needs. And if we put him first, he will meet every one of them. Write this down. I get anxious to the same degree that I lose sight of the kingdom of God. Let that sink in. I get anxious to the same degree that I lose sight of the kingdom of God. The order of concern must be God at the apex. He's the king, right? We are his subjects. God is more concerned, I'm convinced, about providing for my needs than I'm concerned about my needs being met. He's more concerned about providing for me than I can even be concerned about providing for myself. You know, um, Jesus is speaking very sternly against this kingdom. He ends it out, this kingdom of fear. In verse 34, he says, 
Actually, we need to back up just a little bit. Verse 33, I got ahead of myself. But in lieu of worry, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So in lieu of seeking after the things, um, seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. So he said, y'all stop worrying. Don't start worrying. And now he's saying, don't ever worry. Don't do it. He's literally saying every day beyond today is the word there. Don't be anxious for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When I think of a kingdom built in fear, after reading this, I see Jesus is, he's opposed to fear. He's opposed to anxiety. He's opposed to those things. When I think of a kingdom of fear, I think about, I think about Hitler. Remember the leader of the Nazi party, this fascist dictator from 1933 to 1945, he ruled and dominated a kingdom built on fear, built on destruction. He elevated his race above all. And he, and he sat down with this, 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 this idea that he was the infallible leader. He was at the top of the pyramid and everything he said happened. This kingdom of fear, anxiety reigned. People were terrified of him. Um, he, he, he went on to uh, be the, the, the influencer of World War II, which was the deadliest war of all wars. They say now, and the numbers are massive, but some, 80, some 70 to 85 million people died as a result of this crazy man. Hitler also um, murdered six, over six million Jews. Um, one of the most horrific things, uh, memories of my life is standing in the Holocaust Museum in the shoe room, looking at 4,000 shoes. I'll never forget it. 4,000 shoes of innocent victims of Hitler's kingdom of fear and destruction. I'll never forget the smell, the fumes of leather and I'll never forget seeing the baby shoes and the high heels and seeing the rugged boots every age represented right there. A kingdom led in fear. Um, this past summer, I had the privilege of walking the beaches of Normandy. I stood and crawled into the German bunkers at Point de Hoc. I, I, I stood and, 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 and looked out where the 155 millimeter guns we're at that sprayed ammo and, and decimated 14,000 of our troops on D-Day alone. I'll never forget the overwhelming feeling of anxiety and fear as I stood in that cage where so many lives were lost. And, and I realized that this was the very angle which that gun sh shot out of this, of this bunker into our grandfathers and great-grandfathers that, that, that jumped out of this sea craft to, to go and fight and to, had to wade through the blood and, and step over the bodies of the fallen. What a mess. It's, it's, it's this kingdom that's built in fear that Jesus speaks against. He rules absent of this fear that, that, that Hitler pushed. Our God, the eternal God, creator Jehovah, Yahweh, established a kingdom. And he says, don't be afraid. Somebody said 365 times in the Bible. He says, do not fear. That's one for each day. Don't be afraid. 
2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us, didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I want to give you real quick um, five steps, biblical steps to um, freedom from worry. These are in your notes, so if you'll pull that out. Number one, realize is the blank there, that worry is sin and rooted in unbelief. Realize that worry, anxiety is sin and rooted in unbelief. When my thoughts of my situation supersede those of God, it's sin. Just don't try to rationalize it. It is what it is. It kills us. It accomplishes nothing good. It takes our faith out. And um, Romans 14, 23 says, without faith, or that which is not a faith is sin. Do you remember Peter? Peter and the disciples were in a boat. They were in a storm and they saw Jesus. Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, have me come out and I'm going to step out. And he stepped out. And probably one of the greatest things that Peter, one of the greatest miracles he's ever a part of, he's walking on water towards Jesus. You remember the story? Jesus is walking, or Peter's walking on water to Jesus and, and things are great. Now, this, the story lets us know that the storm is still um, waging around him. The, 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 the waves are hitting him and the wind is blowing. And what happens when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at his circumstances? When he started looking at the waves and listening to the sea, what happened? He sank, yes. He began to sink. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, when my devotion becomes misplaced to my situation, I sink in fear and worry. God's called us, he's not called us to misplaced devotions. He's called us to focus on him and to keep our eyes fixed on him. Corey Ten Boom said this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its problems. It empties today of its strength. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its problems. It empties today of its strength. Realize that worry is sin rooted in unbelief. Number two, remember the reputation of your father. Meditate on a God that has great plans for your life and he's in control. And we have to take great comfort in knowing that when we become in, in, engulfed in other things, it, it's, it's dangerous. We need to keep him in the, as priority in our lives. We think about all kinds of things and God needs to be at the top of that. You don't believe me? Watch this. Don't think about um, little white baby rabbits. Nobody do it in this place. Nobody think about white baby fluffy rabbits with the little pinkish red nose that's kind of wiggling. They're so soft. Don't think about them. Stop it. Every one of you are thinking about white baby rabbits, aren't you? Yeah, because I baited your mind to ponder what I wanted you to think about. The enemy does this. And God says the recipe is to think on pure things. Philippians 4, 8, you can look at it later. Think on the things that are true, right, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent. Jesus said, think about my kingdom in Matthew 6:33, his kingdom initiative, prioritize that. If he can manage the rotation of the earth, if he can manage it's, it's revolving around the sun, surely he can take care of me. If he can put a little flower and speak to me on the top of a mountain, surely he can provide in those, those minuscule things that he's into, 
He can do great things. Let's, let's trust him. Number three, read and reflect on the word of God. Every Christian ought to be in the word of God every day. So the blank is read. Read and reflect on the word of God every day. Don't neglect this. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. We all need good words. Um, meditate on good words. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that we should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Isaiah 26, 3, write that verse down. If you don't know this verse, it's an incredible verse. He says, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on me. I will keep you in perfect peace. You want perfect peace? Meditate on God the Father. Look to Jesus and don't take your eyes off of him. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Michael Katz said, peace is not the absence of problems, but it's the presence of God. We need to be with him. We need to reflect on him. We need to worship him. Number four, recognize the power of companionship. Recognize the power in companionship. The first thing God said wasn't good was for man to be alone. God said, it's not good. We need each other. That's what the church is. It's a body of Christ, right? Proverbs 18.1, Pastor Terry texts some of the staff this, this week. He said, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Discouragement and worry thrive in isolation. Ray Johnson in his book, Hope Quotient, which is one of the best books in print, Ray Johnson said this, discouragement is universal, it's repeating, it's contagious and ultimately deadly. It will wreck your life. It will wreck your relationships. You will get down, but the key is not to stay there. Edwin Lewis Cole said, you don't drown by falling into water. You drown by staying there. We need each other to help get us up, to help pick us up, right? Why? Second uh, Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 tells us why. All praise to God, the Father of Lord Jesus Christ. God is merciful. He's a merciful Father, the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Just think about it. Next time we begin to worry or next time we're in a trial and all of us are in trials in life, God is allowing me to go through this to see victory so that I can comfort, so that I can encourage someone along the way. That helps me. That encourages me. There are heights that we're not to, we're not to go along. And then finally, number five, resolve to diet and exercise. You say, Daniel, now you are meddling. Um, we were good until this. I get it. Much of our anxiety and depression is, it's nutritional, it's clinical um, as a result of bad diet or no exercise. I've talked to a lot of people on their deathbed, you know, and I've been able to encourage family. And one of the things I've never heard is, you know, I should have eaten more. 
and, and I should have worked harder. I hear just the opposite. Some of us need to slow down and realize that mountaintop that you want to see, those places you want to go in life, you're not going to go there. You're not going to go there toting this. We tote this for long. We, we shave years off of our life. It takes us down. And some of us need to give it up this morning. Some of us need to take a knee and say, God, I give you this mess. I don't want to carry it anymore. Maybe you're here this morning. In just a moment, we're going to go into a time of response. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, this God that you speak of is not my Lord. But it sounds good. It sound, maybe God is moving in you to surrender your life to him. In just a moment, when I pray, the band is going to come forward and lead us out this morning. And you can come to the altar. You can see um, and talk to a minister, talk to a counselor and hear what it means to give your life and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The best decision I ever made was to let go and let God, to surrender my life to him, to be saved, to be set free. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in his son will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that belief is a trusting faith it is a trusting faith. It's all in. It's a lifestyle change. It's saying, God, I put aside everything that I, in my bag, everything goes away for the one thing, and it's you. And I want to tell you this morning, he is worthy. And it's the best decision you can make. Maybe that's your decision this morning. Come forward, tell us about it. We would love to talk to you about it. I want to pray us out, um, pray for us this morning. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm reminded of Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary were friends of Jesus. Jesus was in the house. He was there with them. Mary was at his feet, worshiping him. Martha was in the kitchen. Martha was doing what any good host should be doing. It would seem to be preparing a meal for her guest. Martha's busy. Mary is worshiping Jesus and Jesus calls her out. He calls her out with worrying. He calls her out. He says, he says, why are you, why are, Martha, Martha, you are Mary now. You are cumbered about many things. You are worried or anxious about things. He said, stop. One thing is needful. And what Mary has chosen is that thing. And he says, it will not be taken from her. Guys, I've made decisions in life and I've invested in things that have been taken from me. And the one thing that will never, ever be taken from you is Jesus Christ and worship and your opportunity, my opportunity to go all in with him and to be his subjects is one of the greatest decisions you can make. I challenge you this morning, don't leave this place he says, I've written all these things so that you can know that you have eternal life. You can leave this place this morning. If he's calling your heart, go all in with Jesus this morning. Stand to your feet. I'm gonna pray for us. If you would stand and the band's gonna lead us. Father, I pray this morning that you would do what you do, that you would... Um, 
comfort the heart that's heavy this morning. Lord, those that are wrestling in anxiety, that are anxious, they're in the kitchen and even doing some good things. You called us away from those things that are done outside of taking a knee before you and surrender. And so God, I pray that you would call some Christians to a life of surrender and just let go of this worry and let go of this fretting, let go of this unduly concern about things and would go all in and just lay that down this morning, that this altar would be full, that, that our hearts would be laid down before you, surrendering. Lord, if there's someone in this room or online that's listening that has never surrendered their life to you, God, I pray this morning would be the day of salvation for them. I pray you draw their heart. Lord, I pray you regenerate them and call them to a life of fellowship with you. We love you. We trust you. Help us, Lord. We need you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys play us out and play, and, and you guys respond.